And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Let's get elevated. This is your host, Heather Steppe, co-founder of KC Hemp Co., bringing you all things cannabis to the hustle. You'll be hearing from me on Friday for several weeks, shining a light on the emerging cannabis industry. For my inaugural episode, I have a very special guest with me, someone who acted as a mentor to me and my husband when we started our business almost three and a half years ago, which is crazy to even think about. I am so excited to have him on as our first guest, but before I introduce him, I do want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. If you want to learn more about me, you can head on over to YouTube, search Startup Hustle, and you can watch myself and fellow founder cast members share the real story of what it takes to start, build, and grow a business. Without further ado, I present to you, Dan Herter. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm so happy to be here and so happy to be your first guest. Thank you for having me. I am so happy that you wanted to do this with me. Uh, we go way back, high school back. Uh, high school and- back. Yeah, the good stuff. Uh, and you were such a big help to me and Kyle when we started in this space. You know, you've, you've been in this space for a long time. So you had, I mean, invaluable information that you were able to give us when we started. But let's take a moment and talk about you. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got involved in cannabis. Uh, you know, you're the co-owner of Emerald Dreams Labs, COO of American Hemp Distributor. Distributor. You're not just in it. You're like running the game. So, so how'd you get here? Yeah, um, it was a a long journey, Um, but really, I think uh, business has always been a calling of mine. Um, Back in high school, uh, I managed metal bands, which really just consisted of talking to the door guy and trying to get more money so we could have more Taco Bell after the show. Um, And then from there, went to to business school at the University of Kansas uh, and got a couple of degrees, got a degree in information systems and supply chain management, uh, and then became a software consultant after that, which actually taught me a a lot about business as well. And uh, I got to work with with high level uh, business people, CIOs, CTOs, uh, and really learn business um, in that way uh, that, that really gave me the confidence um, to, to move into entrepreneurship. Uh, so I had a friend that was in the cannabis industry. He owned uh, a dispensary and I was visiting him back in 2012, 2013, when the cannabis industry was really just starting to bud out in Colorado. And, um, I was just amazed. I went to his house and he had medicated chapstick and medicated chicken noodle soup and he had i mean anything that you could imagine he had and i was like this is this is the future Uh, i need to find a way to move to colorado and so i kept you know in touch with this friend over the years and he decided that he was getting out of the thc side and and getting into the hemp side uh and at the time i had such little knowledge of 
uh, really the the components of behind the cannabis plant. And uh, I had, my primitive understanding at the time was, you know, THC was was the recreational side of cannabis, and CBD was the medical side. Um, now I have a much, you know, more detailed understanding of what that really means. But at the time, that was how I, how I talked to people about it. That was what seemed to be easiest to get other people to really understand. And he let me know, like, I don't know how to build a website. I don't know how to do all of these things. And I was like, I'll, I can help you. And so, uh, started out helping from afar, anything that he kind of needed. Um, I would just kind of work on my own time to do that and, uh, about a year into his endeavor, he called me and he was like, man, we need, we need your help boots on the ground. Can you find a way to, to move out here? We can't pay you yet. Um, you'll be working for free, maybe some sweat equity, but you know, we really believe in where this thing's going. And at the time I had built up enough job security with my software consulting, uh, that they were, they would allow me to move anywhere. Uh, as long as I was getting my work done and I was getting my billable hours in, go wherever you need to go. And so I did that. I moved into his basement and uh, I would work for the software company for 40 hours of billable time. And as soon as that was done, I'd be spending the rest of the time trying to build the business, get operations in place and find ways to grow the business. And so uh, that company grew really fast. Uh, we went from you know just three employees in a basement uh, to over... 30 employees in less than two years. Uh, we became one of the main sponsors of the CrossFit Games. Uh, at the CrossFit Games, I actually got to uh, air live on CBS Sports and be the first person to be interviewed at a national sporting event about the benefits of, of cannabis and CBD. Uh, and so it was it was awesome. It was, uh, it was uh, a lot to learn. It was like drinking from a fire hose. I'm sure you know Uh I think one of the the best visuals I've heard about entrepreneurship, and it's been so true for me along the way, is entrepreneurs jump off a cliff and then they figure out how to build a parachute on the way down. They don't figure it out before you just you jump and you figure it out. Um, and so, really, just that that ability to to know that you don't know what you're doing, but move forward anyways was so huge to me. And then you figure it out along the way and you feel a little bit more comfortable and you're like, I can do this. And then some a curveball gets thrown your way and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> it's just a cycle. Uh, but that's really uh, what got me into the industry. And, uh, and now uh, I've since left that company and um, I started a new company with my business partner, Ryan. And uh, we are more focused on distribution of other brands uh, and products. So that really fits in with me a little bit better because I'm such a fan of collaboration over competition. And um, in, in my previous role, it just felt so like it, it was us or them. And, and now I get to you know, support all kinds of different brands and, and really just put a light on, on the people doing it right in the space. Um, so it's it's been a fun journey, but it's it's also been uh, a lot of lessons learned and running a, a distributor um, type company is much different than running a brand. And uh, there's been a lot of lessons to learn there, too. So that's the the quick and dirty of, of how I got into the cannabis industry and, and how I'm still here. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I, I love how you talked about your time on CBS, too. I mean, what a major, major moment, not only for you, but for the whole industry. I mean, you're on a national news 
sports segment talking about the endocannabinoid system and cannabis. I mean, God, what a what an awesome step forward for the industry. So thank you for that. You're First. welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was honored. Uh, it was nerve wracking. I was I had zero preparation. Uh, a producer just ran over to our tent and was like, "You're on in five minutes. Come on, we'll put a little makeup on you, sit you in front of the the other." hosts of the show and then they'll start asking you questions and you'll go all right here we go i was told that i was going to have someone else with me but that was a lie to just get me comfortable into the day (laughs) and then it was just me um so that was good we we also we also uh put you know added server we were like prepared for for it to be a big deal and it still crashed our website and it took us forever to get it back up just from all the people visiting and all the people that were watching so it was really cool um i did go into the comments after on the live stream and i started reading and it was like who let this stoner on air and and other stuff and my my business partner walked in. He's like, you never read the comments and you definitely don't respond to them. <laughs> I am learning that through doing Startup Hustle TV and now the podcast. Don't read the comments. Uh, it's definitely not worth it. Uh, not worth it. Especially for your ego and confidence. Ooh, it'll get you. It will. But yeah, so the, the cannabis space, you know, coming in from a totally different industry and, and you coming into cannabis, I mean, it's a culture shock. And I think a lot of people who are in entrepreneurship or just in the business corporate world don't quite understand just how difficult it is. It's like a whole nother level of just insanity, right? You've got banking issues. You've got marketing issues. I mean, tell us a little bit about how you guys overcame that because you really were one of the first major people to start to start doing this, you know, like you said, CrossFit games, things of that nature. So, so how was it getting over all of that? I mean, other than drinking from the fire hose and and just trying to get through it. Yeah. I think, you know, a big thing came down to relationships. Um, If you have a good relationship in kind of each area um, that you're unsure about that can, that can help a lot. Uh, Like you say, banking, uh, merchant processing. I mean, that was the bane of my existence for the first probably three years of really getting into it. Uh, We got kicked out of three or four banks um, and we had to continue to pivot. We, we lost a few merchant processing relationships and had to make new ones. Um, And each time it really came down to relationships Uh, each time an assumed no sometimes can be a yes, but you still have to check. Right. So there was a little local bank uh, in, in the town that we were in. And of course, they're no, they're a little local bank, they're conservative, they're, there's no way they would support us, right? But let's check, you know, it's probably a no, but let's just see anyways. And that and that banking relationship ended up working out really well for us and, and saving us um, within our 60 day timeframe we had from getting kicked out of the previous bank. Uh, and then merchant processing, um, you know, at the time, there were so few doing it, that you really just had to bite the bullet. And so, you know, what you're saying is like, yeah, business is hard, but then you come into this industry and it's a culture shock and it's even harder. People really don't understand because the merchant processing agreement that we had from from the very first, from when I first started in the industry is they would hold, I think it was 15% of our funds for 90 days. They would hold 10% of them for another allotted amount of time. And then it would be on a 10 day hold before we'd even get any of the money. 
So we're selling through product. We have to like, you know, replenish our supply, but we have no money coming in for 10 business days from when that product was sold. And then we're only getting 70% of it for another 90 days. And it's just, it was a lot to, to learn and figure out. And then you have, you've mentioned marketing as well. We couldn't go any of the traditional routes. Uh, you know, you can't do Facebook advertising, Google AdWords, any of that. There are some companies out there now that have, that have a relationship with Facebook. They've, they've figured out how to do it. Um, at this point, I'm still staying away. I like being creative and figuring out other ways to do it because in my eyes, if you can figure out all the other ways, when that way becomes black and white, then you already have everything else squared away. And that's just adding on two more powerful tools to your marketing. So um, with that, that's that's we've always been big on affiliates. Uh, we've always been really big on influencers uh, because they can tell a story that sometimes we can't. Uh, as you know, we also have to worry about claims. And I think that's been the hardest part about being in the industry for me is I see all these miracles taking place. I see all of these crazy stories happen and I want to tell the world, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to, I want to tell the world and, and you can't, you know, you can't, you have to allude to things. And, um, it's, it's so frustrating because you and I both know, you know, all the crazy powers of this plant and they're like, yeah, but just don't talk about it. Find a different way to sell it. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's so frustrating. I, I can totally relate to that. You know, uh, we have stories coming out the wazoo too. Um, and anytime we make educational content, you know, it's, it's, it, it might help you do this or it could as Joe's promise. <laughs> I mean, there's all of these buzzwords you have to use. And we learned that pretty quick. Um, you know, we, we, we knew going into it that you couldn't do a lot of that, but man, not being able to, you know, even run a Facebook page like normal or, you know, how you're talking about merchant processing. I think we talked to a merchant processor who wanted to hold our funds for six months before they would give it back. And it was like a 50, 50 situation. We'll give you 50 now and we'll hold 50 for six months. And it's like, what kind of startup business can do that. You can't right. in any industry. I mean, especially in a retail industry where, like you said, you're purchasing inventory, you got rollover. Uh, so God, I, I mean, I, I definitely can feel that. But you know, now you're not holding inventory or are you guys holding inventory as a distributor? Or are you simply doing like a drop shipping type situation? Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, we actually hold all inventory. Uh, okay. So we buy up front. Um, and that was one thing that to at the time had not been done at all. You know, there was a lot of dropship sites that were combining brands, but there was nowhere really you could go and get a multitude of brands uh, and get them all in the same shipment uh, in, a, in a convenient form and, and try out and just see what works for you. And that's what we did. We set out to um, work with companies. And so we purchased all of our uh, product upfront at distributor pricing. And then we store everything actually uh, here in Kansas City, um, uh, up north in, in Kansas City. We have a climate controlled FDA registered warehouse that does all of our shipping and fulfillment for us. Um, and then we have a, a B2B side of our business that, you know, was really where the idea for the company came from. We really wanted to support those small business owners that were looking to carry a multitude of products, um, but they're most small businesses are 
owner operated. They don't have a ton of time to be calling five different brands and placing five different orders and then dealing with five different shipping times and invoices. And so we were like, we can add value to those people by consolidating all of that. And they only have to deal with one person. Now they don't even have to deal with one person if they don't want to. They can place the order right on the website and then get one shipment, one invoice and avoid a lot of those larger uh, minimums that some of the the bigger brands have uh, and really test out and see what works in their store. So that's where we started. And uh, since then, we've evolved quite a bit. Obviously, COVID um, makes, I think, made every business have to find ways to pivot. And um, we, we pivoted. We also went direct to consumer with our uh, website, directhemp.com. And, and the vision for that is really to um, hopefully eventually become something like the bodybuilding.com of the hemp world or the chewy.com of the pet world, you know, um, be one of those. Those are, those are some big inspirations for us. And so we have directhemp.com, we have americanhempdistributor.com and, and something that we don't really talk about publicly, but we also have a relationship with one of the best labs in the country. Um, and we help them as a sales arm of them um, to sell raw materials. Uh, to, to people. So raw materials being CBD isolates, CBD distillates, CBN. Some people are doing stuff with CBG now. And those are all just different cannabinoids. And the raw materials are just, when I refer to raw materials, it just means, you know, what it what it takes to create a finished good or, or a finished product. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely want to get into the cannabinoids with you because I feel like that's so important. But if you are struggling with your business and having trouble I've got a solution. Today's episode of Startup Puzzle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, building a business is hard. Fullscale can help out. So let's get back to this cannabinoid conversation because most people know about THC. I mean, when, when, when people talk about cannabis they're, cannabis, they're thinking about THC. They're thinking about getting high, right? Uh, but what we've learned and what the world is really learning, you, you've seen this adjustment over the last few years of people learning more about CBD, learning more about other cannabinoids, CBG, CBN. Um, you know, CBD is huge. It, it, it's still growing. It's, it's here. It's not going anywhere. But we are seeing this emerging of these smaller cannabinoids. So how do you see the industry, you know, moving? Are, are we going to see more... Uh, of these isolated cannabinoids that people are using? Are we going to see them more in like a full spectrum type style where, you know, they just come out of the plant and whatever's in that plant you use, you, you know, talk, talk me through a little bit about what you guys see from the distributor standpoint and what you're dealing with and what people are wanting. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, this plant has been schedule one for so long and, and, and what schedule one does to a, a substance is you can't even study it like you can't even get a get a permit to study it so most of the studies if you really want to read about cannabis are going to come out of israel they've been studying yeah. it forever and so uh, we're just now really getting the opportunity to learn more and, and to study these things on a, on a larger basis so right now is a, is a lot of guess and check in the industry and a lot of taking other people's word for something I remember when when CB, CBN first became really popular and it, it started getting a lot of attention. Uh, CBN, everyone was like, "This is this is the future of sleep aids. This is the natural sleep aid. CBN is going to help so many people with sleep." And I was like, "Where is this coming from?" And I traced it back, and there was a laboratory, Steep Hill Labs, 
that on the back of their COAs, they would put um, common uses for different cannabinoids and they put like CBN helps with sleep. And then everyone else just was like, okay, CBN helps with sleep. Like there was no actually official study done or anything else. It was just word of mouth and it spread like wildfire. And some people report that it helps with sleep. And so it's a lot of it is, is word of mouth. Um, and a lot of it is, is guessing and checking. Uh, I know myself personally, when CBG first came available, um, I am a scientist of sorts. And I was like, you know, I could be one of the first people to try to dab CBG. And so I took a CBG isolate and I tried it out and it had a very interesting, uplifting effect. Um, and I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. As someone who was prescribed Adderall at 10 years old and, and grew a disdain for the pharmaceutical industry through that, I was like, this is a natural way to replace that. I bet that there is a natural version of everything that we use in a pharmacy, in a pharmacy in nature somewhere. And I bet you a bunch of it's going to come out of cannabis and hemp. And so to your question on what do I see in the future, it's a mix of things. I see custom blends. Um, so being able to really fine tune uh, what you want. So I want, you know, a blend that has 10 milligrams of CBG, 10 milligrams of CBC and 30 milligrams of, of CBD per dose or something like that and be able to, to easily do that. Um, I think that's kind of further future. Um, I also like keeping things as close to the plant as close as to Nate as nature intent. So, you know, I used to think like nothing is full spectrum. Uh, you know, we have these buzzwords in the industry, like full spectrum and broad spectrum. And, um, and I used to think, well, nothing's really full spectrum. There's 123 plus cannabinoids that we know of. Nothing's going to include every cannabinoid. Um, until I started looking at it through the lens of, you know, how did nature provide it to us? Uh, and so, a full spectrum of a Charlotte's web plant is going to include what cannabinoids typically would grow in, in that plant. Uh, but that's a little bit too in depth. The industry is still early. There's still a ton of education to do to the general public. So for now, full spectrum means it does include a little bit of THC. Broad spectrum means it includes multiple cannabinoids, but not THC and then everything else. So um, I, I see a future of, of very custom blends and then uh, just keeping things true to the plant. Uh, but what's interesting is we're all so unique that something that works for you might not work for me at all. And I might need, you know, more of a specific cannabinoid that, that I'm deficient in in some way. And so what I think is really interesting and, and I've done a lot of studying on is uh, Dr. Ethan Russo's uh theory of endocannabinoid deficiency. And you see a rise in ADD in children and in all these other things um, that are more prevalent than in any other time in the past. And I wonder, is this because we took cannabis out of our ecosystem? Is this because we are no longer stimulating our endocannabinoid systems in that way? Um, and so now we're starting to see the effects of, of those deficiencies. And so you know, CBD might do wonders for someone else, for someone else where THC might do wonders for me. Um, and it's just really, what are you deficient in and what does your, your body respond to the most? Um, so 
yeah, kind of a long-winded answer there, but that's kind of what I see. No, I, I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. And you know, one of the issues that we see from the business side of this industry, specifically the hemp industry, the CBD industry, is you know everybody wants to join and think they can make a quick buck. And you know, it's this booming, it's this booming place. Like, why not? This is what I want to do. Let's let's do it. But nobody actually takes the time to research and understand the endocannabinoid system and do their due diligence to provide a quality product. Um, you know, that they don't know about the the different cannabinoids. They don't know how to educate customers when they come in. And even though you can find CBD anywhere, there is still so much misinformation and so much uneducated people that it really does require somebody being able to sit down and explain it to someone. Um, Absolutely. We've found recently with cannabinoids um, is specific to Delta-8. So Delta-8 THC being an isomer of Delta-9 THC, which is notorious for the psychotropic effects of cannabis. That's what's going to get you high. That's, that's, you know, a lot of people chase that. It also has incredible therapeutic benefits. Um, But when you're talking, about you know recreational use that's what people are are talking about so this delta 8 thc and this thing has taken the entire industry by storm i mean we are our delta 8 products on our website are far outpacing other products that we are selling it's it's been amazing but it's also you know like regulations are constantly changing and it's kind of scary Anytime you have something new and exciting that comes out, it's like, oh crap, is there going to be a regulation imposed soon? Or is this going to be illegal? And, you know, we're seeing that now 11 states have made Delta 8 THC illegal, Um, even though, you know, their psychotropic effects are of half of what you would get from a normal Delta 9 THC molecule. But, um, you know, the, the brands that you guys are working with, you guys are working with some of the biggest brands in the industry. Are you seeing that they're starting to kind of encapsulate some of these new cannabinoids? Are they bringing them on to their current lineup away from them? You know, what are the bigger players doing and, and how is that affecting your business and your distribution? Yeah, um, what I've seen, especially the the larger companies, uh, they're steering clear of the the Delta isomers. So anything that has THC in its abbreviation, um, they're they're steering clear of. Uh, but using the other minors, so CBG, CBN, CBC, uh, we do have some studies around those. We do understand them to a small bit. Uh, and in those ones that we have more knowledge of starting to formulate those in, in very specific ways. Um, so more targeting, uh, just for, for keeping it very simple and very general, you know, if they're creating a, a sleep formula and they don't want to use melatonin, they'll replace melatonin with CBN. If they're creating a focus formula, it'll be, I'm sure there'll be some CBG in there. Um, you know, maybe, uh, CBC has been shown to be good for like antibacterial and stuff. So, you know, maybe a mouthwash with CBC or something, um, but really focused, uh, there. And then for us in particular, I mean, we play it pretty safe. Um, we always have, uh, we've never, um, bought any vape products or anything like that. Um, we haven't, we haven't dealt with, with Delta eight at all. Um, just because we know how quickly regulations can change and, um, 
and, and what can happen there. And so we just kind of steer clear. We really hang our hats on, you know, we want to, we want to be able to tell our grandma or our mom, any, any product that you get from this site, you'll, you'll be okay with. Uh, and so I can't, I can't say that for certain with vape. Um, obviously like I think vape safer than smoking cigarettes or something like that. Um, but again, we just, it's, it's so early. We don't have longevity studies. We don't really know. Uh, and then Delta eight just came out of nowhere. Um, someone found that you could convert CBD in a lab, uh, CBD isolate and change it straight into Delta eight, which according to the law is black and white. I mean, it's completely legal. Um, right. and so it, I think it shook up the industry in a way. And I think a lot of people were scared that it was going to hurt the industry. Um, because you know, if you can change CBD into Delta eight, then can you change it into Delta nine? Can you, what are all the laws and even in place for, if you can just start with hemp and, and change it to THC in and of itself. So, um, I was scared of the implications of, of Delta eight more so because you're dealing with the FDA. Uh, you're dealing with with a, an organization that doesn't care to take the time to learn. Um, they just want to know, you know, how can we make our money off of this? How can we make it so that we still look like we're protecting the consumer? Um, but they don't, in my eyes, in my opinion, the FDA, uh, they don't care enough because this industry is huge and we still don't have complete guidance, you know, uh, yeah. Trump signed the, the final farm bill in 2018. I thought that was, thought that was in, like, I thought the banks were going to open up, like Facebook advertising was going to open up that, that should have cleared everything up. Uh, you know, the banking act, all of that stuff you pass and you think it's going to make a huge difference and then nothing changes. Yeah. Um, and so we we like to play it safe and and with what works uh, right now and until further guidance is is kind of put out there. But um, like I said, I think there's so much to learn and and that's what excites me so much about this industry is there's 123 different cannabinoids that we know of, and so we have to study them all individually. But then we also have to study them all. How do they interact with each other? And so, I mean, both of us are going to be long gone before we have it all figured out, but that's, what's so exciting to me is we always get to keep learning uh, as long as we're in this. So it's fun. Absolutely. It, it is so fun. And, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's fun, but it's also tricky. I could not agree more that I wish the FDA would take this a little bit more seriously. Um, you know, most people complain about regulations in their business and in their industry. But I know you agree that this is something we desperately need in this space. Because as of right now, you know, Joe Blow down the street could go into his basement, throw some stuff in a bottle, call it CBD, sell it for, you know, top line price and hurt someone. You know, there, there's no regulation on what can go in these bottles, what can't go in them. You know, there's very loose guidelines of what we can say, what we can't say say what needs to be on the bottles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it, it, it's like, we need guidance. This industry desperately needs it. Um, I know uh, you guys take it to heart as much as we do. We self-regulate for that reason. Uh, we consider ourselves a higher end company. We pride ourselves in being a safe option for people. So we have our products third-party lab tested, which is so important when you're shopping for CBD products or any cannabinoid-based product, 
make sure that the product is third-party lab tested. And that means it, they ship it out and have it tested, not they do it in-house. Paul, <laughs> um, is so important for consumer safety and the FDA has given us nothing on it. Uh, so I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for those regulations to come down. I'm ready for the dirty players in this space to finally get snuffed out and allow these better companies to thrive. Yeah, I'm with um, you. I think it's I think it's a telltale sign of you know who are the who are the good players in the space and who aren't by the ones that are begging for regulation. Like you and I are are, are part of that crowd of just like we welcome it. Please put some actual guidance in here so we know exactly what's going on. And um, like you said, I I think the people that were just coming into the industry so quick, thinking they can make a quick book was because it was happening at the time. You know, the profit margins were through the roof and you could buy a kilo of isolate from someone, sell it to someone else, store it in your trunk for three weeks until you sell it and then sell it to someone else for a crazy profit margin and make a lot of money. And, you know, I've heard stories. I know guys that, that made killings um, just brokering raw materials, just, you know, buying and selling things. And um, it, I think it created a really bad precedent for the whole industry. And I'm happy now that the profit margins have diminished over the past three years. Um, you know, they've, yeah. they've had to tighten up. Um, and so that is going to move out a lot of people that are just in it for the money. Uh, I think the ones that are that are really going to survive are, are the ones like yourself that are really passionate about helping people about, you know, what is the end result? Of course, I have to make money along the way. Of course, I need to provide for my family, but I'm here to help people. I'm here to educate people because it's so needed. And I, I know when I got in this industry, I would have to look up this, the statistics now, but when I got into this industry, less than 3% of curriculums in the u.s for doctors even covered the endocannabinoid system which is just like totally mind-blowing mind like our like our homeostatic regulatory system like it tells every other system what to do and how to react and how to interact with all the other systems and we're not teaching that to doctors like right something yeah. something's wrong here i mean it's <laughs> as circulatory system. I mean, exactly. it, it, it controls everything and everybody has one. You know, I just was reading that your endocannabinoid system starts forming in the womb at 14 weeks age, which is just wow. amazing. 14 weeks gestational age. Like that's, that's a teeny tiny little bop. <laughs> I mean, and, and you're already starting to develop these receptors for endocannabinoids. I mean, if that's not an important thing to teach doctors, I, I don't really know what is, honestly. Exactly. And then just to expand on that, I know that there's been studies done that they find uh, endocannabinoids in breast milk. So like literally the first meal you have as a human, you're getting cannabinoids in yeah. your milk. Like it's that natural. It's that ingrained into us. Um, and it, it's crazy to me that it's been taken away from us so long. I'm so happy to see the resurgence. I think right now we're in a weird period of the industry of it blew up so quick, so fast. All of a sudden you went from not ever hearing the abbreviation CBD to seeing it in gas stations and a farm and goods store. And like literally anywhere that sells products that you felt like they had like a CBD line. 
And I think that actually hurt the industry in a way. I think it slowed it down because people made up their mind before maybe even trying it, seeing it in, in gas stations everywhere. They're like, eh, that's not for me. It's in gas stations or that's a, that's a cannabis product or whatever, or maybe they did try it. And maybe they tried one of those products of, from one of those characters that we were talking about that don't know what they're doing with formulation. Maybe they had no CBD in there at all. And so like this product doesn't work. I tried one. It's not for me. And they didn't try a quality product. So I think a lot of people kind of chose sides of the fence because it blew up so fast and because it became such a talking point. Uh, that we're going to see another resurgence. I think it's it's we're in a in a little bit of a lull right now, and the people that know it works for them and, and believe it works for them and have seen the changes are going to be a loyal customer for life. Uh, and and the people that understand it um, are going to be a loyal customer for life. Just like I say a lot, like I'll, I'll use vitamin C to support my immune system. I use cannabinoids to support my endocannabinoid system, and that's not going away. And that's just going to be a maintenance part of my life. For the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I agree with you about the lull right now, but it is welcomed. Absolutely. <laughs> we did a number on everybody's business, including ours. You know, we closed our store down. Um, the writing was on the wall. We saw what was going on. And I mean, we made a pretty quick pivot decision fast. I mean, it was a couple weeks into the shutdown. And it was like, okay, we got to go. Online. <laughs> <laughs> But one of the things about starting our business when we did, we were one of the first CBD companies in Kansas City. And being able to implant, be in the community, and provide that education to people, I think saved us from people just finding our product somewhere and taking it and being like, oh, it doesn't work. Instead, they came in and we talked about it. We talked about their issues. We talked about what would be the best product for them. I mean, step by step by step so that they could have a successful journey with this you know, product. And, and that's just something that you couldn't get online. Now, like you said, everybody saw it everywhere. People are a little bit more knowledgeable about it. So going online was a pretty decent pivot for us. I think um, it, it's worked out in the best, you know, especially with four kids, like they just keep showing up at the house. It's like, <laughs> but being able to be here with them, you know, and it's funny too, because now our kids are just about as educated as we are. We've gotten calls from the school, you know, when they've had dare officers and talking about cannabis and it's like, <laughs> no. but also my son is right. <laughs> yeah, I'd be proud of him. If there was, you know, any piece of advice, if there was something that you could say to someone wanting to get into this space, you know, into the CBD, the hemp space, what would it be? What would be your golden ticket advice for that person? Oh, um, other than don't do it, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, it would be to to know what you're getting into, uh, to 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 really take the time to understand what you're getting into and in, in why uh, your why behind uh, wanting to get into the space. Um, if you don't have something bigger than yourself, um, and you're just trying to get in it for money, this industry will chew you up and spit you out. Oh. I, I, yes. I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. <laughs> the truest piece of advice I've ever heard. Seriously, it will completely spit you out. Yeah. This so is what, where I wash my hands, and it's like, oh, I do this for the people. Exactly. So that's that's exactly where I was going. So, like, why do you do it? What are you doing it for? Because there's going to be days, multiple of them, where you question yourself, where you're like, why am I even doing this? This is 
even harder than any other choice I could have made going into entrepreneurship. Um, this comes along with so many loops to jump through and, and uh, red tape and all the other things. So if you don't have something bigger than yourself that you can fall back on and say, I'm doing this because I believe in this and I believe people need to be educated and I believe it can really make a difference in people's lives and I've seen it make a difference in people's lives, then you're not going to have anything to fall back on to keep you going. You're Like I said, you're going to burn out so fast and this industry will chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, it, it's it's so hard talking about ship uh, with people, you know, being on the Startup Puzzle TV. We talk about entrepreneurship all the time. It's founders from various walks of business. And sometimes it's like, God, I wish I could just do that. I wish I could advertise on Google. You know, I hear uh, Joel with mixtape sometimes talking about being able to put out sponsored ads on Facebook and things like that. And it's like, oh, I just want to be able to do that so bad. And I think one day it'll happen. I don't know when, but until then, we'll just keep plugging away how we've been doing. But you can always count on people like Dan and I to, you know, bring you quality products, make sure that you're getting the proper education that you need to make the best decision when you choose CBD and cannabis as part of your daily routine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking to me. And I look forward to definitely extending this conversation in the future. want to give one last shout out. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. I will see you guys next Friday. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.